Great job, team. Head back to base for debriefing and Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Debriefs and Cocktails. I'm your host, Reed Walker, and we are back for another episode, another journey into the James Bond franchise. Excuse me, shifting my seat. Once again, as always, and hopefully forever, Sergio Masters, excuse me, Master Sergio Lugo is here today to talk about another James Bond movie with me. Another one. Another one. There, I was about to say, can one of us has to sound excited about this. <laughs> so, Sergio, this week we are talking about, what is this, our fourth one? Fourth, fourth movie. Yeah, fourth one. Uh, the Living Daylights, starring Timothy Dalton. I actually was about to call him Sir. I don't know if he's actually Sir or not. But Timothy Dalton. As the fourth James Bond. And we'll start off with our analysis section per use. What did you think of it? I really enjoyed it. Yeah? Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like it, it, uh, it's, it's, and I know it's a newer movie, so it's, it kind of, you know, it's kind of expected for it to feel more modern than the other three. Yeah. For sure. I mean, it's it was made in our lifetime, at least. Oh, that's a good so, way to put it. So, it, but either way, I do agree. Like, I feel like even if we were born in the '90s, you would arguably say this one's a bit more modern. But yeah. I, I I don't know about you or not. I don't know if you can look at some movies, and, and you know, maybe not old movies as much. I think those tend to be obvious. But like, you can see a difference between an '80s movie and a '90s movie. Typically, typically. And the thing is, is I don't know if I can say that for this one. I I think you could. I think if I put this movie up against GoldenEye, and I think that was 95. 95 or 96, something like that, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think you would – I think you could easily say, like, oh, this has got to be the 90s. Like, there, at least for me, may, maybe I'm weird. I, I think of stuff like Breakfast Club. Back to the Future. Not that these movies look bad by any means to me, but there's still just this graininess. Or there's a design style, I guess. There, there's something to it. There's just some sort of visual. The way cameras were back then, the way audio was done back then. Because th- this is the thing I've noticed in the Bond movies, and I don't think you really will see it past this one, at, at least in these first six. You can hear people walking in these movies. Yeah. Right? You hear their footsteps. And you don't really hear that in modern 90s and up movies as much, particularly contemporary, unless it is for a reason. Right, right. And hmm. I have no idea about that. I don't understand the 
distinction between that's that audio being there and not or if that means any i don't know any of that i don't know if they just couldn't remove it back then i don't know (laughs) you'd know more about that than me anyway back to the analysis of this this is a different analysis but i i had you know i'll be honest i i promised this time i watched the entire movie up to the credits Good job. Good job. Yeah, it's I'm, literally the only job you had. Right. Number one job. Watch the movie. <laughs> um, that man, this movie was kind of blurry to me. I did watch it in two, mainly two chunks, mm-hmm. but and, and and one day apart from each other. But man, I just kind of don't remember certain things. And maybe I'm not supposed to, but I feel like I'm supposed to. <laughs> I guess I feel like I'm supposed to remember certain more beats than i remember i do like it though i i like it enough i like timothy dalton a lot i thought he was good i think he's a good bond yeah 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 i really like timothy dalton he like visually he looks a lot like um what's the guy who played uh don draper Oh sure, I I don't know, I can't think of his name, but I know I know the guy. John Ham, John Ham, yeah, he there looks like he looks a little bit like John Ham, but with like a more chiseled jaw. He does that. He's got that. What is it called? A, a cleft chin. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And and, yeah. and 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 like I didn't get like the suave asshole that mm-hmm. I got from uh, Roger Moore. Sure, I can I can kind of see that. You know, so so just just I really like his portrayal of the character. He, that that's a that's a good way to put it too. I think he and and you'll see later in License to Kill when we get around to that one. He that's a good way to put it. He does play a more vulnerable or somewhat caring kind of Bond. Like he's not just ice cold uh, toward like was it was the Kara is the Kara, yeah, yeah. He's not ice cold to her and, and nonchalant about her as as if she serves an an end. So yeah, that's a it's a good way to put that. Yeah, but on the flip side, like he is, I I feel like he's more rough and tumble. Than, what do you than, than than Roger Moore? Like he is. We mean rough and tumble. Like, like Daniel Moore, Craig. Well, I haven't seen Daniel Craig yet, so I don't know. Oh right, sure, sure. Sorry. But I, yeah, but yeah. I would imagine so. Kind of, he'll he'll just get in the grit like he he don't need no stunt man. Not necessarily he don't need no stunt man, but like the 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 version of Bond that he's playing is mm-hmm. fine getting his fingers dirty. Okay, sure. More more so than Roger Moore. Like sure he gets his fingers dirty when he has to, but I feel like Timothy Dalton's version does not give a shit that his hands are dirty. Yeah, yeah. It's a good way to put it. The uh, one interesting thing about this movie, little baby, it's not really a spoiler. I'll take that back. The so one of the bad guys in the movie, the Whitaker character, the American general. I'm gonna call him a general. I don't know what his mm-hmm. rank was. That guy, his name is John Joe Joe Don Baker, I believe. Joe Don Baker. He comes back as a different character. What? Yes, he is. He does not come back. If I'm not mistaken, I could be wrong. I hadn't seen the other two, the other movies he's in in quite a while, so I'm gonna pay, I'm gonna pay attention. 
but that actor comes back, and I'm pretty sure is a new character. Yes, actually, like it's, it's he's in Goldeneye. Yeah, he's in Goldeneye and Tomorrow Never Dies, so you'll see him in Goldeneye. Um, and f- so it's just funny. In two movies, he comes back as a whole different character. Wow. They they liked him so much, I guess, or or he just really <laughs> wanted it. Hmm. So what? Who who do you think the villain of this movie is? Because um, this one's interesting. While you're thinking about it, mm-hmm. this one just has a few people. It's there's obviously one guy's in the movie for sure, a henchman. Yeah. But this one, I feel like you can kind of make an argument for two characters being the bad guy. Well, yeah. There's there's clearly two bad guys, and that's the uh the 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 what's his name Koskov. Mm-hmm. And uh, Whitaker. Right. You know, they're they're basically trying to to play both sides of the, you know, of of the like of the conflict to get rich. Mm. And just in case, sorry to interrupt this. If anybody hasn't seen these movies, we're sorry. We're going on to talk about these as if you've seen them. And so either try and watch this movie before you before you listen to this. So hopefully you have watched this. We're going to continue to say this, possibly. (laughs) But I just thought about it, so I wanted to say it. So hopefully you've seen the movie, and we're doing our best to put in certain things for clarification, but we're not going to do it for everything. Yeah, yeah, and and I don't even know if that if that spoiler like alert thing is necessary. Like, why would you be listening to this if you haven't seen The Living Daylights? Right. Yeah. What? What are you? What are you doing? But and, what are you, and for, yeah. Who are you? What, who are you? Who is that person? <laughs> and and me saying the spoiler to you, I actually thought about it and should have a separate conversation with you about it. That, or you can say it on air and it's immortalized. I didn't know if you wanted to know stuff like that. Like I I I didn't think give it much thought and you hadn't complained that I'll point out like, hey, that hap- Guess what happens later? Watch what happens later. I don't know if you actually want that or not. But you hadn't complained, I so I haven't complained. So I think I'm fine with it. All right. Well, you you just you think about that. Let me know later. Yeah. Uh, I, I think the next thing I want to point out in this movie is there's literally a scene where there is debriefing and cocktails. Okay. <laughs> where and it made where me was it? so happy. Where which where was it exactly? Remind me. It was it was right after Kozgov got quote unquote saved by uh, James Bond, and he was. Basically, giving he was pretending like he was giving away the Russian secrets, mm-hmm. and they literally said, uh, "Come in here for the debriefing." And then they started mixing drinks in that room, <laughs> <laughs> and I was did like, they, "Fuck yes!" <laughs> did they call out to that specifically making drinks, or is it just kind of in the background? Well, it it, it was it was clear someone was mixing alcoholic drinks. Like, I right, think but- I, I I think even. If I remember correctly, Bond orders his shake and not stirred. Yeah, I remember him saying that to someone. And the only thing I can remember offhand is uh, like a hotel clerk or manager or something, to, you know, says something about it. We'll get it to you shaken, not stirred. And it's like, you remembered something like that. <laughs> I, I can't recall, but that is good. We'll just have to put that at the uh, if we ever do a video for this, we we can put that scene up front. So just oh, yeah. just earmark that scene and we'll we'll use it if we ever do a video. 
uh, I, I, it, it was it was cool. Yeah. So I I, I think you're. You're kind of on to something when it comes to this movie being a little confusing. Because mm-hmm. uh, I also didn't watch it all at once. Um, me having a full fucking family of people in this house. I, I ended up watched, watching it on like four or five different chunks. Mm. Oh, man. I, I imagine it was worse for you. And they did a good job of cleaning up their, uh, their like plot mess by explaining stuff blatantly later in the film okay you know like like there, there were there were scenes where bond was was interacting with Kara and he was lying to her mm-hmm. and it was in blatant contradiction to what he had told the audience and or other characters okay so unless you knew oh he's doing spy shit right now oh he, right like if yeah, for yeah if for yeah, some he, reason you stepped away yeah it, it it wouldn't really make much sense i'm like as I was watching, I was like, "Am I understanding this correctly? He's lying to her, right? Like, is this is this some spy shit?" And then, like two or three scenes later, they do clean it up, and he does completely come clean as to what's going on. But right. it, it it takes it takes a little bit of paying attention to to get it up front. It does, because and and this isn't to say by the end of the movie, I think you can hit a few points and you get the gist of it. Mm-hmm. Car, uh, Cockroft, what's his name? What's that? Koskov. Cos, we are saying that wrong. Koskov. That, that is not. I feel like that's not his name. It's, I'm not saying you're wrong. It's K O S K O V. Koskov. Oh, you're looking at it. Okay. Never yeah. Mind. I thought yeah. you were pulling it from the from the old memory palace. So, <laughs> I think if you, <laughs> I think if you just hit a few of the points. You'll get the gist of what the movie was, and and the rest of it's just mud in the water. Where Koskoff is dirty, he's working with Whitaker. He and he wants to kill Pushkin, but they trick him. Bond sabotages stuff. Yeah. And and things happen to bad characters. <laughs> so I think you can kind of get and you can kind of get away with that. So it almost when I say it that way too, it almost makes me like. So why is that other shit even there? Why is he like double defecting? I don't even. Why is that even there? Yeah, right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> like like literally in the third when the in the third act when like Bond just up and decides he's gonna ruin all of this uh, opium. Mm-hmm. I was like, is this a side mission? Bro. Yeah. Bro. Yeah. That that seemed like that just kind of. That's a good point to me, at least. That it's just kind of like, well, this is going to work out, I guess. Somehow, this is going to tie back into things. It, it, yeah, I yeah. Guess. It's it seemed fucking crazy at the time, but it it you know it 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 wrapped up pretty nicely, I guess. It it did, but I do. You really do bring up something I didn't give. I gave partial thought to, because when they're at that airbase fighting, uh, Koskov could just leave. Bond doesn't catch him or anything, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. So he could just dip. He knows that the opium's compromised. He knows Whitaker is probably compromised. So why is he going back? Because he goes back and sees Pushkin at the end, and they send his ass to Moscow. Yeah. Why the fuck did he go back? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> 
Like he didn't have a leg to stand on. He didn't even think, oh, the opium surely got there and leaves, right? That I could see that. He's just removed from the scene and thinks everything is fine, but he knows it's not. Yeah, well, maybe, maybe he's th- maybe he's thinking that that Bond doesn't know he's involved. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> Shit. Uh, I I mean I guess though fine you can have it it's you know whatever maybe I wonder if that's is, would you call that a plot hole is that a plot hole or not what is, what is that. <laughs> A, if if you're looking it real close, it's it's very much most of this movie is a contrivance. But okay, if you look hard enough, I guess you could you could find it, find a plot hole there. And and it doesn't have to be a plot hole. It could just be a contrivance. I'm I'm more asking. You know, it's like Back to the Future. Uh, what is it? How to how do Marty's parents not know him? Oh, that's not a plot of, hole. That's can't you is that not considered a plot hole possibly arguably no, it's, arguably assholes think that's a plot hole okay j- j- because okay let's look at it this way all right it's sorry to completely derail this but we're going to talking about back to the oh, future I, now this, this mo- is my fault a, a movie that i am intimately related to <laughs> or intimately like aware of mhm think of your teenage years uh-huh okay high school Let's say there was one person that you met two times in high school during one week, and it was only for maybe ten minutes at a time. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that person's face? Right, and I do. I do think that's a fair argument. We're getting very off topic. While I we agree are. with we that, are. and at the end of the day, ultimately, Back to the Future is too good of a movie to give a shit about this. True. I want That's I want true. that really clear. I'm not arguing for it to to put a pin in that motherfucker next to its greatness. <laughs> but the parents and I this part I did hear, this part I heard from somebody else. The parents clearly talk about their meeting each other as if it is a very readily understood memory. So if Marty was that much part of it, they should have remembered him. Mm. Now, when I heard that argument, I was kind of like, okay, I, I, I see your point. You're remembering him and remember, remembering what he looks like are two different things. Let's go back to James Bond. Let's, let, somehow we could make that stick, but we couldn't. All right, back to James Bond. <laughs> I'll, I'll end with my idea of it, and I want to ask you about the – and maybe we could add this as a new section, so maybe we'll do that next time, but we'll do it here on the whole, I I like the movie. It's it's certainly fine. It's not it's not a bad movie. Mm-hmm. It's just, eh, I, I, it's fine. Timothy Dalton's good. You know. Um, <laughs> wow. <laughs> I I think the in not, I was about to say environments. <laughs> the locations are neat. Yeah. Like Tangier's pretty. Mm-hmm. That they travel to that. The and now I can't even think of the other places, and I, so it's hard for me to make that point. It's a good, well-made movie. It's like certainly Austria. Austria. Was it Austria? I couldn't I remember it if Austria. it is it Russia. I don't know. This is this movie's certainly fine. That probably really indicates where I'm putting it in the rankings. It's cert. It's certainly a fine movie, and I think it could have done without a couple of things, but 
you know, it's still good. Yeah, yeah. It it's 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 remarkable to me that this is this is this is way deep into the the franchise. This is eighty seven. So we're saying yeah. how many movies is before are before this? Like ten. Oh man, it's it's a hot it's a hot few because Roger 10 or 10 or 12? Moore. Um, it's it's more than that because Roger Moore by himself was in seven. Okay. Movies? Okay. So we're, so we're talking like 15 movies or before this. Approximately 14, 15, something like that. Because Sean, I actually want to know now. Sean Connery um, had about five or six. Roger Moore seven or eight. George Lazenby one. Yeah. Like that's so a few. I'm impressed how they've been able to maintain like a brand of action. And and you know and I wonder if that is true or not since we're and and maybe. Maybe you looked into something more than I did. I it would it'd be good to pay attention to films around these films mm-hmm. to know who's copying who. Because when when we see Casino Royale, and I won't really spoil this one, they I, you can see where it's still James Bond action, but yeah. you can also see where they they do some different shit. It is different. <laughs> yeah. It is. And his bond is not the same as other bonds. So. Yeah, yeah. Like, like it's just there's a there's a there's a slight bit of humor to a lot of the action, uh, like an absurdity that sure, that's doesn't true. exist in other action movies. Um, just, like the the scene in the beginning with the parachutes. Mm-hmm. Like that entire scene was fucking awesome. But there was still just a, like a hint of just ridiculous in it. There, there was, and and this is not at all what you're talking about. But that reminds me of of something that I I couldn't help but laugh at. In that opening sequence, when Bond is on top of the vehicle trying to just get rid of the guy, I never really know what people's fucking goals are when they do these stunts. Mm-hmm. Like the in the in the movie logic, I'm gonna jump on top of this vehicle. <laughs> and then what? What are you gonna do now? Well, he's gotta stay with him, man. Like, is that the is that all the goal is? <laughs> all right, figure well, it out as he goes, man. I guess so. He's James fucking Bond, dude. He's James Bond. But the the thing that was so funny to me is, so he drives through, and it's an, and you know it's another guy playing in the in the acting of it all. Uh, since they're in like a training exercise, basically. Mm-hmm. And and this is just some old stuff that they don't really do anymore. But when it pan shifts to that character's uh, looking at that character, it zooms very quickly into the person, and it's just like oh, and it's just <laughs> so fast. <laughs> As opposed to this previous scene where it's just Bond hanging on, you know, cut to this guy, and like oh, and super quick jump to his face, and like what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was just it was just really a quick thing. I just kind of snickered at it. It was pretty good. What did you think of the? I do want to ask you this one. Actually, I'm glad we talked a little bit longer. What did you think of the Q Branch scene when they oh, walked that, through his that, his lab? Uh, I appreciated it, but I I feel like it was it was kind of unnecessary. And I feel like that just became – that's become kind of part of the thing. I don't know what movie that became a big thing in the movies, 
but it has become a thing in a lot of them from yeah, whenever it started. Like, we're going to show you all these new Q gadgets. This fun. We're going to have like a five odd minute scene of fun gadgets. Yeah, yeah, and and I, I guess this is the 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 dirtiest way for me to say this, but the, all the gadgets are so read friendly. In in that they go out of their way to explain exactly how they work and exactly what they do and exactly how long their effects last. That way, when Reed questions what the fucking use of the ga- gadget is in Act Three, he can point back to Act One and say, "Ah, ah, ah." Hey man, I think that's cool. I, when, I appreciate them thinking of me. And I I feel like I would enjoy it better if he just pulled shit out of his ass and they didn't have to explain the you know the monotony of exactly how shit works you know and i and i wouldn't be totally against some of what you're saying and this could be of course some bias in these movies that i'm so used to them and it's just part of it now you know but i don't know i don't think it's that bad i think it's actually a good way of doing here's this read friendly we'll call it that terrible (laughs) as that is here's this read friendly way to showcase the gadgets that may or may not be in there. So, and the ones that are, here's the read-friendly thing of it. The ones that are not, it'll be. It's a fun scene. It's a. It's a relieve some tension because you can't have everything be run and gun, chase people down, look for clues, all that. It's just a reprieve for the audience, and they get yeah, to see yeah. some some neat stuff like name being what it was. The Ghetto Blaster is a boombox that is a missile launcher. That, and that wasn't was really used cool. in the movie. Like, that's it real was, stupid. Right. So it's it's just a moment, right? It's, it's just a showcase of these sort of things. And now this was actually one that I didn't uh, – I, I do think it worked both ways. With he had the key finder thing. Mm-hmm. They blatantly talk about one whistle and showcase – or not showcase the gas coming out, but like do this particular hum or whistle this first part of the song and it produces a gas. And Bond makes a joke that, or Bond or Q makes a joke about that Bond, it needs to explode or something if Bond does a dog whistle. And, mm-hmm. but it's so, it's, it, if I remember right, and I could be wrong, as I've certainly stated, this movie blurred together some. I took that as it wasn't definitively that. It didn't definitively do that thing. It was more of a just a commentary between the characters and joking. But that was actually a thing in it, right? When he's fighting Whitaker at the end, and he kind of gets pinned down by Whitaker with his fancy guns, he does the the wolf what a uh, wolf whistle, and yeah. it explodes and it wins in the fight. So I'm like, oh, that's cool. Good job, guys. Way to go. <laughs> Uh, but I, I think they really just use that scene, those scenes for just for some humor, because people liked Bond and Q's dynamic mm-hmm. eventually that they, they were just they had banter and and people liked it. I think you'll really see it in Goldeneye. That's the last one I can really remember that was really good. OK, OK. Yeah. It, like I didn't hate this. I didn't hate the scene. And it, it was cool to finally see, you know, some back-end stuff. Mm-hmm. But did it further the plot at all? I, I, I feel a like... A little bit, but yeah, I can see like that. I, I feel like it would have been more effective if 
he gave him all these gadgets, told him how to use them, but didn't actually go through what every single thing they do. Yeah, and I think they, for what it's worth, you say these are read-friendly things. They could have just given him those things, told him, hey, it's activated by a whistle, and later Bond does the exact same things with it that he does. I'm yeah. not really going to question that. I'm really not. <laughs> I, I know what you want to say about me, but I'm really just not. That's all that bull horse shit. <laughs> I would question it more. I would question it that I'd want to know. Certain it would bring up other questions, maybe, but I wouldn't be like, "That's not how that works," because they never state it right. So I can't really make that argument. Yeah. <clears throat> Last two things. Since jumping off the Q Branch scene, what did you think about the Aston Martin? Because this is the first one I think we've seen in these movies where it's decked out. Oh, it was quite decked out. Yeah. And that's kind of a staple of the movies, too, but we hadn't really – this will be the first one I think we've seen with it. What like, do you think of that Again, I, I really like how ridiculous it was. Like, who need – who has the foresight <laughs> to install skis on an Aston Martin? <laughs> Q Branch does, baby. Like, what the hell? <laughs> You know, the, like, uh, like the, the whole, that whole scene in the snow it was just I just was smiling ear to ear because I was like, this is so dumb. You it's know, he, real cuts, dumb. He, he cuts that car in half or, or cuts the bottom of a car off mm-hmm. yep. using a laser. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's pretty good. It, it comes from his tricked out Aston Martin. Like, I, mm. it's, I w- it's just high level stupid. And it, it I, I really like it. Yeah, and and you'll see some of them. We'll we'll jump to the uh, a Sean Connery one where he has it. He has a tricked out Aston. I believe it's still an Aston Martin in that one too. Mm-hmm. But he he gets some gadgety things. He just didn't have it in Doctor No. Last thing to my question earlier about this being Fast and Furiousy, and this may may become a topic next, later on. What did you think of that last scene? Because that's oh, what I told you was Fast and Furious like. Dude, that last scene was wonderful, and it was absolutely Fast and Furious-y. They were hanging off the back of an airplane by like a a cargo net mm-hmm. that was like that was filled with opium. Like, mm-hmm. if if that's not a dom move, I don't know what is, man. See, in the part that stood out to me, and maybe I don't understand Fast and Furious. The part that stood out to me to call it Fast and Furious to you was when they got in the Jeep and parachuted out of it. Yep. Or like <laughs> <That> too. <laughs> like baby parachuted out of it, which yep. didn't make a lot of sense to me because it looked like they were really low to the ground. The next time you see the plane, it's really high. There, but, there were there were a lot of physics issues with that plane. Yeah. Just start to finish. Like <laughs> it, it, it a, a giant airplane not being able to to drive over a wheel ch- a wheel chalk just doesn't make much sense. Oh, you know, you talk about the physics of a plane thing that I, I that's not really about the physics. I there's there's characters in these movies that I feel so bad for, and because they're just victims of circumstance. Those poor fuckers on that I'm gonna call it little private airplane as the cargo plane is coming up over. <laughs> and it smashes into the Jeep chasing them. It's uh-huh. like, oh, man, these guys are just like, they just got their pilot's license and shit. 
or something like that, and they just die. They're just dead. <laughs> they're just some riggers on a plane, and they're like, you know, we're gonna we'll move this back into the hangar for for Mother Russia, and then dead. <laughs> I don't know. I just it just caught me off guard. It was like, damn, those poor guys. They like they didn't. Oh man, come on. That's really funny. Yeah, yeah. Like there, there's so many just close calls and and st- the, the the airplane scene did not make sense at all. Yeah. But but it, it, it but it made movie sense. It does make movie sense. I, and yeah. you talk about movie sense. So here's my read. You know, we'll make that Fast and Furious section when we make a read section. <laughs> uh, I appreciate, and I took the time to look at this. Look at the time, not at a crazy scrutiny level, but definitely looked. When he sets the timer on the opium. Oh, God. (laughs) It said 10 minutes and 30 seconds, approximately. At least 10 minutes. And that was at. Did you set set your own little timer there, buddy? I did. I didn't set an actual timer. I just I watched the movie, paid attention to that part, went back before after it all exploded and said, I want to know if they actually timed that or not. It, it was about an hour 44 and 40 seconds or so, and about 10 minutes and 30 seconds did go by. So I do appreciate their their at least effort, where it wasn't a blatant like, hey, the timers are set for three minutes. We got to go in three minutes. Two hours later. <laughs> and And apparently they still hadn't exploded yet, so... I, I just appreciate that because too many movies set timers and and the audience's real time clearly passes, but it's still a three minute timer somehow. Yeah, yeah. So and I, I just I appreciate that it went a little over, but it wasn't that it really wasn't that bad. <laughs> I was definitely thinking he was stopping that shit on 007, though. <laughs> I think he does in one movie. Yeah, it's a uh, like I, this is kind of pr- probably stepping on toes, stepping on the toes of the the final ranking. I feel like this one is better, uh, better in a lot of ways in just having a more consistent experience. I, I can kind of see that than, than everything we've watched prior. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, we've definitely gone on way too long in analysis, and don't you cut out that Back to the Future part. That's for, okay. the, that's for, that's for those nerds. <laughs> Section Dose is music, so we're going to let you go off on this one. I actually had a thought about this, and it's not much of a thought, if anything. It's just a, a springboard for you. This movie, and I don't know if this is an 80s thing, music of the 80s, tone of the mm-hmm. 80s, you know, I don't know what to call it. But this one, when it did play music, whether it be an alteration of the James Bond theme, of the the Living Daylights theme, whatever it was, it definitely had that kind of sort of a twangy to it. Like, it just had this kind of beat to it. And, I, and I'm saying beat for the lack of the proper terminology probably it you know do you know what i'm talking about did you uh, like there's just a clear 
different kind of sound when you compare it to the other movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it, everything was just kind of 80s-fied a little mm-hmm. bit. Um there there were several scenes where they just leaned very heavily into the the music you know and love mm-hmm. from James Bond mm-hmm. uh, but everything around it was very 80s okay and, so i'm not totally crazy then no you're not totally crazy um the the, the uh the theme song or what is it the, is it theme song yeah that's what it is yeah theme song the theme song was performed by Norwegian synth-pop band, AHA. Yes, yes, we had a conversation about this. The band, AHA? The band, AHA. Not uh, to be confused with the group. (laughs) Shut up. (laughs) The, uh... Their their big, you know, claim to fame was their huge hit song, Take On Me, Mm -hmm. uh, from the mid-80s. They didn't really have any other hits. Did this song even track at all? Um, I I don't remember this song. Uh, just you know, I just didn't. Um, it, looking at the like looking at the actual data on the song it does not look like it did great. Uh, so what they, what was the title of the song? Was it the Living Daylights or was it something yes, else? Yes, yes, it was the Living Daylights. Okay. And the song itself is fine. It's it, mm-hmm. it sounds exactly like Aha. The but the downside is, is there's only <laughs> most people only know one Aha song, and I was not able to be like like when it played, I was like this sounds familiar, but I don't know who it is. I, like I couldn't pinpoint it. Yeah. Just because I don't have I, there, there's not much for me to pull from. There's just take on me. Okay. Um, but. Picking an artist like AHA to do your theme song is making a deep, hard commitment to sounding like a fucking 80s movie. So when you say that, what what's kind of an alternative to saying that? Have, have these other Bond movies not done that same very – that very same thing? Excuse me. Like uh, take Live and Let Die. Like mm-hmm. I, I, I wouldn't point to the song Live and Let Die and say – Oh man, the '70s classic "Live and Let Die." Do you think that's because it has turned into? It, it's just become such a big song anyway. Like that's that's why you say that. No, maybe if no. it didn't hit so big, you would. Uh, th- that's a good like that's th- that's a good way to try to call me out on that. But no. And and I'm not really it, trying to call you out exactly. I don't want to make it sound like you're wrong, but just I don't know, the make it the I, same. The reason I say that is because, uh, like, AHA and their brand of 80s pop music mm-hmm. is so entrenched and just it, – it's not even entrenched. It's drenched with 80s stereotypical sounds. Okay. See, that's full of It's that's full fair. of keyboards. It's full of uh, synthesizers. Yeah, yeah. Like, it sounds – their sound is the sound of the 80s. Okay. So, and, and that's kind of fair. Like Live and yeah. Let Die, I don't, you know what the movie was done in the '60s, I think. So, I don't, you know, I don't know what the '60s sound like. You would obviously know better than me. But that movie doesn't necessarily sound '60s to me. Like even if I were to guess, I wouldn't say that's '60s. Exactly. So, 
But if you were to hear the living daylights, the song, like yeah, just in I, passing I in a in a fucking coals. <laughs> I, yeah, I'd You're maybe be say like, 70s, oh. but 80s prop. Like, oh, that sounds like a song from the 80s. Like, it, it it gives itself away. Yeah. So it does. So so like, oops, like sonically speaking, a lot of the music in this movie is informed by that theme song, and it's fine. Like the theme song again is good. Uh, mm. I have a soft spot for synth pop from the 80s anyway. So <laughs> like couple that with the the members only jacket that James Bond is wearing and I'm I'm at home. <laughs> okay. But I, I can get that. You know, I it, it's just I I don't I don't see this as 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 being a classic like the last one, but it does place it in a specific point in history. Okay. You'll have to I'll, I'll be since you're saying this this kind of way, I'll be really interested to see what you say about Goldeneye mm-hmm. when we watch that. Um, that that is my go-to Bond movie. Like that that is absolutely the one that got me started. So I'm really interested to see that one. Okay. Uh, I will be really interested to see what you say because I do not think, and this maybe is unfair to say, that song does not sound '90s to me. But I do, okay. again, to be fair, I think they intentionally made it not sound like a 90s song. Okay. We'll, we'll see that, what, next time? That's that's next time, right? Yep, that'll be the next one. Awesome. Uh, any other music points on this one? Any good use of music through the movie? Any bad use? Was it all pretty much the James Bond theme or variations of it or variations yeah, of yeah. The, the theme? Yeah, like I was pleased with the the, the music in the movie. Uh, there was also another song by uh, the Pretenders that played okay. over the, uh, the the credits, which was really good. So, like I was, I, I just really like '80s music, so it, it's it's hard for me to, to 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 shit on the music of this movie, and 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 where they used the James Bond theme fit so well into the movie that I wasn't annoyed by it. Oh yeah, I totally forgot about they did the. The end credits are different, or at least the initial end credits are a different song altogether. Because mm-hmm. that kind of caught just just like the gentleman who had the camera zoom into his face very quickly and in a, as a jump cut. This end theme song kind of, if I remember right, kind of did the same thing. It's where it's it has Bond and Kara sharing a moment talking and within a second just playing just go go the credits are rolling go <laughs> i was like oh that's a little it's a little jarring guys can i have a second can the screen go to fucking black please <laughs> so i i don't know if you felt that way or not it just kind of i just couldn't help but notice it i guess yeah i don't know i don't know all right well section three Moving on now to tropes. Did oh, you man. did you did you get any tropes out of this one? Oh, there were. We, we already talked a lot about the, uh, the the gadgets. There there were there were quite a few gadgets in this one. Yeah, and I don't think we need to spend too much time on that. But did you did you at least like the functional ones? We we talked about the car. Did you like the did you like? What did you think of the key finder? Did you think that was a good, well-used gadget or? Uh, any sort of actually, thing? that one upset me. 
Really? Like, well, okay. If someone hands you a key and just says, this will open 90% of the locks on the Earth. Mm-hmm. Like, they're literally just handing you a deus ex machina. They they kind of are a 90% deus ex machina, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine, I guess. It's it's just, I don't understand why that's necessary. I don't even, did he even use it for that? Did yeah, he even yeah. unlock anything? He unlocked some, some uh, handcuffs at some point. Oh, okay, sure. Yeah. I mean, I guess that's fine. Just, at, at least he didn't deus. At least he didn't deus ex use it on all kinds of bullshit. Like, oh no, I can't get into this really important room that moves the plot forward. Oh, look at that. How am I supposed to pl- fly this plane? Oh yeah, I've got the key to it. Right. So, you know, give them that. Like they didn't. They had all the room, all the space to use it, like you're talking about. But they really didn't. He just unlocked some handcuffs. I'm not, not going to give them points for showing restraint when they ch- when they chose to do something stupid. I, I think that's pretty impressive, showing restraint when you don't have to. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, moving <laughs> hey, on to other want, tropes. Oh, hold on. Do you want a drink? Do you want a drink? Oh, okay. Never mind. I won't go into that. <laughs> uh, well, okay. Well, so when I'm asking about the keychain or the key finder, what did you think of the the plastic part of it, the whistling part of it. Oh, that uh, I, that was fine. I, that was fun. That worked out. Okay. That when I asked, when I was asking, that's really what I was asking about was just that part. Not even, dude. I I, I completely forgot about the key until oh, you yeah. said it. I totally forgot that. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> All right. Any other? Let's see. So he didn't. He bed one woman. Well, two. no, no, two, 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 two. No, that's right. Yeah. I thought that I think that's one of my favorite scenes of kind of him getting with a woman. When I rewatched that scene, I just thought it was really good because, you know, you got it's another one of those kind of breaks while it's a trope and all. But it's a break in the action because we just saw Bond chasing down the guy on the back of the car and all that kind of stuff. And then he parachutes into where this woman is on a boat. Yeah, just. Just chilling and complaining to her friends like, I want to meet a real man. And Bond just lands on top of her boat and like flips off the roof, takes her phone and all this kind of stuff. And she hands him a drink when he's talking about, oh, I'll be there in an hour. Oh, make that too, actually. I yeah. just really I like that. I really like that scene. I think Timothy Dalton played it well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And 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 and. I was surprised that it took so long for him to bed the the other one. It it was surprising, and, and I guess part of that, you know, if you paid attention to the plot, which I'm spe- not speaking for myself, I barely did, barely <laughs> kept up with it, I should say. Uh, part of it, he's trying to maintain his cover, right? Being true, Koskov's friend. I don't know, but he was all over a Koskov's girl. If that's but it is true. But it is true. Yeah, no, you're kind of right. Maybe I'm I'm wrong to maybe say that because he was definitely trying to get in that Kool Aid. Uh, one thing that was surprising. Yeah, like, and and I think it might have been a product of the times because this was '87, which is uh, a more progressive time than the '60s. Okay. So sure. I feel like. if you look at the Kara character, you know, she she knocked people out. She was driving her, you know, driving a Jeep directly into danger. She rode a horse directly into danger at one point. Women aren't seen as just 
eye candy and, you know, fodder for the backdrop. She, mm -hmm. the Kara character, she kind of held her own considering she's a cellist. Yes, she, like, mm, did she? Well, did okay, she maybe not held her own. She did not shy away from just diving directly into the action. Uh, th that's fair. That's fair. I'll give you that because that's definitely true. Like toward the end of the movie when they're with the uh, Afghanistans, I think uh, they yep. were. Yeah, yeah. The subtitles re repeatedly uh, refer to them as the Afghans. Okay. When she's when they're with the Afghans, he goes off in the truck, trapped in the truck. She's the first one to sprint off after him, and yeah. then they follow her. There's two or three moments in this movie where she could have just dipped and been like, nah, I'm gonna stay alive. Like, but oh, instead, no. and instead she just went like just drove headlong into you know certain certain death. And while I do applaud those moments for sure, I can't help but I, I, I whatever it is, life has led me to this place and to pay attention to these things now in dumbass movies about fictional fucking characters. Mm -hmm. At least once, if not maybe twice, she was very quick to be like, oh, James, like when they're with the <laughs> Afghans and he comes back to the room, she's just like pining by the window, it seems. And she's just in such a high tone, like, where have you been? And goes to him and just so whatever. I, I don't know. There's just one or two moments where it's like, damn, lady, can do you not have a book? What are you what are you doing? <laughs> don't don't pine for that motherfucker man calm down yeah yeah so 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 i feel like you know back to the whole 80s thing maybe maybe the filmmakers felt like since she's the official bond girl in this movie he has to earn her affection oh okay. in, in, in a way sure. that he didn't have to in you know previous iterations i could all of this is speculation i could be going crazy but that's just how it felt watching the movie yeah, I can, I can kind of see that. And you see that they sort of took out the – they largely took out the Money Penny stuff. I don't know if you paid any attention to that. Yeah, there was there was a solid Money Penny scene, though. It was. There was a moment, but it's definitely not – well, you know, I need to take – run that back a little bit maybe because I think the very last scene he shares with her, he slaps her on the ass. Yes, he does. <laughs> yes. They don't show it explicitly but that like that's what you hear was. the slap yeah hear yeah, the slap. You, hear, you hear the slap you see the direction the position of the characters you have because most of it's like from most just under the neck up so it is it's not blatant but it's like come on man like where where else did yeah. he fucking slap her really where yeah, did james yeah. bond say he didn't pat her on the back with an attaboy <laughs> and 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 th like there was that that like that throwaway line flirting. where she, yeah, she, she was like, oh, well, I don't know. Is she your type? And he's like, oh, money, penny, you know that you're my type. Right. Which, you that, know, yeah, yeah, that's 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 solid. That's that's a good that's a good little little flirt mechanic they have going there. Right. And and I was about to say, I, I agree with that. Like, I'm totally OK with them having those two characters kind of flirt with each other because he's the indefinite, you know, bachelor character. And they kind of portray her as not really with anybody, but then they do in some of them. I'm not exactly sure on the history of that one, so don't quote me there. Yeah. But she, it certainly was played off that way, and it's just a cute dynamic. They have just cute little banter, flirt banter with each other. Yeah. All uh, right. Moving on to kills. Oh so, yeah, kills. Yeah. So 
I, when I was watching it, I didn't see a lot of kills, especially in the middle of the movie. You're uh, there really was not one wrong. The, there was one in the beginning, and there was a handful at the end, from what I could tell. But again, there's just there's kills that may be kills, may not be kills. I counted five. Okay. That's I, I just that's looked even, it up. Man, that's even kind of higher than I would have thought it might have been because up until maybe the end of the movie, I think that's kind of where you where some of it comes from. Maybe yeah. question mark that. But I I definitely had this thought in the movie. I was like, damn, has he actually killed anybody? I mean, he killed that one dude, I guess. Yeah. But yeah. you know, like he really killed nobody. Yeah, yeah. He 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 showed restraint. It was it was cool. Uh, but I, this website I'm looking at says that he killed 13 people in this movie. Damn, they must be counting things like explosions that were caused by him or uh, maybe, maybe some sort of hazardous situations that he caused, like the maybe like the plane coming lifting up and the plane going under him. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Not, I, would, I don't know yeah, if that one yeah. counts, but things like that. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. Like, it, it, it got muddy when he started dropping the when he dropped the C four out of the airplane. I was like, how many people were in that car? I I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I do like since we're still kind of in the trope section. He, I, I didn't catch too many of his tropey one liners, but I did catch that one after he uh, <laughs> cut his boot laces off and he drops the drag guy drops. And he's like, where'd the guy go? They're like he got the boot. I'm like that's yeah. that's that's pretty good. That's all right. Yeah, it's not bad. There there weren't as many one-liners in this one. Yeah. Oh, and, wait for Goldeneye, baby. They, they got they're a little piffy in that one. Oh no. Not that bad, but it, they're no. definitely there. Uh, I will say this: Dalton absolutely delivered them better than the one Roger Moore movie I've seen. He he delivered them in a way that you like. Okay, that might be it. That that might be what it is. He may have still done it better, to be fair, but you definitely like it more. And I kind of like the posh, stiff upper lip kind of Brit tone, like Roger uh, Moore kind of has. Yeah, no, I don't. Uh, and I don't uh, dislike Dalton at all, but I do like the Roger Moore. Like of the two versions of Bond, I want to punch Roger Moore way more than I want to punch <laughs> Timothy Dalton. Then he is one hundred percent successfully playing posh British person. <laughs> <laughs> if he <laughs> Oh yeah. So that we'll we'll see. All right, I'm 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 so very interested to see what you think of Goldeneye and Casino Royale after this one. Goldeneye in particular. Yeah, they they are the next two. Goldeneye next, then Casino Royale after that one. And interestingly enough, I've been watching the TV series on Netflix, Hannibal. I, I know it's not where it originated, but it has Mad Mickelson as Hannibal mm-hmm. in that series, and he's the bad guy in Casino Royale, which Casino Royale was the first thing I think I'd seen him in. Ah, uh, okay. So it's been interesting seeing him play this character. All right. Well, any other any other Fast and Furious moments you want to point out? Let's just touch on that one more time. If if there's another one that you didn't <laughs> mention earlier, uh, we'll probably add that to tropes later. Yeah, I don't think so. Um, you kind of hit them all earlier. Kind of hit them. I kind of hit them all. Um, I, I I just can't. I I can't. 
can't, I can't mention enough how inept that airplane was at the end of the movie. <laughs> like you, you, like you realize, like the the height of the battle of of like seven characters, like three or four main characters and several dozen side characters. Your main character, James Bond, is having trouble moving in two miles an hour. <laughs> I guess I'd have to rewatch the part. Like you might have to point that part out to me because I, you're not wrong. I don't understand the mechanics that are going on there. There was definitely a point for me where I was like, yet again, I don't understand understand X, but yeah, I don't know what it it's, is. It's been like 10 minutes of screen time, and, and James Bond has moved this airplane maybe 100 yards. Oh, no. Okay, so may, maybe this is the same thing. He was on the – so when he's first setting the bomb and then Koskoff and the henchmen see him right at the door, and he starts firing and chaos ensues – that plane is on the ground for like five minutes. Yeah, way too long. Why? <laughs> yeah, what is going on? I wasn't like, sure if that runaway was crazy or what. Like, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I didn't understand. Like, because on one hand, <laughs> let's just imagine for a moment the 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 ship had it, the the plane had a gun on it, right? Like a turret underneath it on top of so wherever. I could understand him kind of circling around. It's like, okay. look at me, I'm in this giant, we'll say tank-like vehicle, and I'm just, you know, it's the Warthog from Halo. I'm just spinning, I'm doing <laughs> figure eights, shooting the Gatling gun. Right? I'm protected. This is some nonsense. Okay, let's do that. But it's he's like, not. No, no. It, it was like driving an elder, around. It was like an elderly person trying to drive the motorized cart at Kroger, like <laughs> it's uh, what what direction is forward? I don't I, I don't know how to do this. Is it uh, is the battery charged? <laughs> oh man, that's pretty good. Um, my right. last question is, what the hell does the living daylights mean? Uh, I mean they said it in the movie, dude. I I know I'm, what I know they said in the movie. It didn't clarify it. what the hell that's, that means. That's it. That was it. I'm look. I'm an idiot when it comes to that. Every time. Every every single time, just about, unless I'm in a coma, I'm gonna be like, oh, they said the they said the name of the movie right there. I'm just gonna say it. I mean, I think that really is it. It's like, it's supposed to be scaring, if not scaring the living daylights. That sort of like realization, because a lot of the movie is realization, if you think about it, because they, Koskoff keeps changing sides or they keep getting new information, things like that. Maybe, like, what is the idea of? they scared the living daylights out of someone was that you just scared them right or you showed them something new something that startled them i guess maybe Let's something see. like that i've never actually really looked up the uh like what does the title of this movie mean what is you know like what does live and let die really mean for that movie i don't know yeah uh, well my, my just thing is what it what, like the living daylights doesn't <clears throat> make sense in my brain and and so, i can see that yeah it's kind of a yeah. weird yeah, without so, the rest so I'm lo- of I'm it. looking it up. I'm looking it up. It says, used to emphasize the severity or thoroughness of an action. Maybe So maybe that – and I didn't have the proper definition like that saying it, but maybe I looked into it. I mean that sounds kind of like the Kos- Koskoff situation, like kind his of. actions in the movie, kind of. Yeah. The Living Daylights is an archaic idiom in English believed in – yeah, it's – it's such a stupid phrase. It doesn't 
It doesn't mean anything. I feel like it really doesn't mean anything if you don't put it with the rip. Like, if you put it with scared the living daylights out of me, everybody knows it just means that you just scared the shit out of them. Right? That's right, just all right. that means. But the so what did the so what did it say? The living daylights has its own definition. Yeah, the living daylights is it, basically it's just an idiom that means what you did was severe. So uh, like, if you so go, you if, scared if, the severe out of me. You yeah, severely it, scared me. You you severely scared scared me. Okay. So 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 like the sun uh, yeah burned the living daylights out of my skin. So how? Okay, can you use that any other way that didn't immediately? Is, is it always immediately referenced? So if somebody says that, what you just said, you're basically saying what it does to you. The sun yeah. burned me. Exactly. Uh, you could never say the living daylights, and it still makes sense. You scared me. Can you say the living daylights without blatantly saying the thing? No, like the living daylights it has no <clears throat> verb in it. Like it's it, the, the the living daylights changes the severity of a verb, basically. So if you were to say Koskoff's actions, how 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 would you use the living daylights? Koskoff's actions, the living day. I mean, well, you just have to add more. Huh? His <laughs> his actions bothered the living daylights out of me. Confused yeah. the living daylights out of me. He defected the living daylights out of Russia. <laughs> <laughs> there we go that's sure it, it's just fucking dumb i'm sorry it's yeah. fucking dumb and for them to name a movie after that is fucking dumb but whatever What's i, mean, I guess it's section? just severe i guess it's just severe no no i thought this was great this is a great section next time we're gonna add a what's the movie title mean yeah, right we're gonna add that we got some topics to add to this sections to add to this stuff all right, moving on to the last one because this probably has run a little longer. Last one is ranking. So okay. as of right now, we have Dr. No at the bottom. Yep. On Her Majesty's Secret Service. As next to the bottom, I guess there's three and then and number two. two. Yeah. Yep. Number one is Live and Let Die. Yes. So and Where do you put this one? If I, if I'm just gonna just just be honest, the real question is which one is better, this or Live and Let Die? Oh, you know, and I I, I think we're pro- I think we're probably gonna have our first. We we didn't work this out in the rankings. Uh, how do we determine this when if we disagree? <laughs> since there's not a third person. We no, we just we just talk it out. We talk like I'm 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 willing to listen to reason. Just don't be fucking dumb. You're just not willing to listen to read. So I know. <laughs> um. Hmm. Okay. Well. Okay. Then what that sounds <sighs> like it, it sounds like you want to put it below on Her Majesty's Secret Service. Oh hell no, hell no. Okay. Well, hold on. What do you mean by below? Like it's. It's number. It would be number three. Yeah. No. Hell no. 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 This so, is number. So this is one or two. Okay. Then. Then you agree with me. Oh. Okay. I, maybe I misunderstood you. But yeah. This is this is one or two. Yeah. Sure. That's exactly what I just said. It's it, all right. Like, all right. Is, my, this, my bad. is this better than live and let die? Is the real question we have to answer. Uh. Yeah. Yeah. Is it better than that? I don't know. 
it's it, it's definitely one or two for sure. Uh, wh- where do you put it? I assume you put it above, based on what you've said. It's a tight, tight, tight race, but I would probably put it above. Okay. Probably. I feel like the plot made more sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like the, the I like the actor better. The action was probably on par. Um, the acting is better. The overall acting? Yeah, yeah. Okay. The music's not as good. But the music was used perfectly fine. What do you, so when you say the acting, who are, are you just referring to Timothy Dalton? Or are you kind of referring to everybody? I'm kind of referring that? to everyone. Timothy Dalton, yes, it did way better in this movie than than Roger Moore did in in Live and Let Die. But just overall, like I, I felt like they were playing characters and not just reading lines. Mm-hmm. Like we, we we didn't mention what's his name is 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 John Reese Rice Davies or is that how you pronounce his name? Who the shit is that? John Rice Davies Reese Davies? I don't know. I have no idea who that is. Are what you character? fucking kidding me? I've no who who even is that in the movie? He's the um he's Pushkin. John oh, Reese Davies. Yeah, that that's that dude's name. Yeah, I love that dude. Exactly. Like he was, he's, he was he's great done some in it. Voice acting over the years. He's yeah. I love that dude. He just doesn't have much of a role in the movie. He, he but he plays the role well. Like he's introduced as someone that you're supposed to think is a bad guy, and it's believable. And by the end of the movie, you realize he's not a bad guy. He's just Russian, and that's believable too. I, I was about to say this is not me shitting on anything you just said. That motherfucker just plays a Russian, and that's fine. <laughs> and he he does just fine. I don't. There's that motherfucker's not three dimensional at all to me. I don't. I don't know. But that's cool. But that's cool. I like that actor a lot. So you're you're getting a this one. It's just lucky, right? It's circumstantial <laughs> that I like that voice actor. Or er, no. well, voice actor. He has done some voice acting, so it's already all kind of attached. I like yeah. him. Yeah. Uh, Kara's character is better than the character than than whatever her the other girl's name was. Solitaire. Solitaire. Yeah, um, that's Doctor Quinn though. I don't care. Okay. <laughs> Man, if your mom was on here, she'd care. <laughs> like Kara played a Stradivarius. Oh, I guess. Uh, I'll, I'll add, Do you feel like any of this? And maybe this is the wrong way to look at it. Do you think it has anything to do with the times of the movies? You know, we talked about, and not that this is what I mean, but that Live and Let Die was kind of black exploitation. But so not just, not necessarily that when I say the movie of the times, just how acting was, how acting was done, right? Because the gap of time between Live and Let Die and The Living Daylight, that's a big jump. That is a big jump. It's like at least 10 years. Because uh, I don't remember the exact date of uh, Live and Let Die, but I know it's at least 10 years. Um, I was about to look it up, too. I'm looking it up right now. Uh, Live and Let Die was 73. And this was 87. 87. So it's 14 years apart. 
Like, do we do we give the movies at all a pass in that con- if you even agree with what I'm suggesting? No, no, I I I completely agree because it's 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 going to be once we get real deep into this, it's going to be really hard to be like, is Quantum of Solace better or worse than Doctor No? Like, that's a ridiculous fucking question to have to answer because they're from you know three different like generations apart. I don't know, man. Dog shit is making. still dog shit. <laughs> Um, you haven't seen the movie yet. <laughs> I just, it's, I just think that it's, it's, it's. You just think it's know. better. I don't, I'm just saying it's better. Yeah, like, okay. G- give give me your, because this has been me defending yeah, my. Yeah. Like, give me give me what you got. I I guess I don't really have one. Like, if I'm being kind of objective, and it is kind of what you just said where generational differences mean a lot. They do mean a lot to me because most movies that are made in the forties and the fifties and the sixties and the kind of the seventies, they're bad to most ass. I cannot get past the difference. I just, I can't, my dad sits there and watches gun smoke or anything in that era. And it's, it's almost mind numbing. It's like I, I can appreciate what these characters are saying in the dialogue more or less, but at the same time, it's just hokey acting or, or silliness or nonsense. Or it just doesn't resonate to me, right? I didn't grow up with that, but he did, so he knows. So it, it means something for him. Yeah. Whereas, granted, I didn't grow up with uh, the Living Daylights or License to Kill when those movies came out. We were too young. But it's still close enough to when we did formulate our attachments to media. So, I mean, probably I'd probably put it up there. Now, if this were the man with the golden gun, we'd probably be having a different conversation because I think Live and Let Die is not Roger Moore's best movie. So I'm on, on and, this and, one. I'm, and we will have that discussion when we get there. Yeah, I'm I'm willing to concede the living daylights to you. Because mm-hmm. th- this just isn't the one I'm. I don't care enough. <laughs> I, I like Roger Moore enough for sure. Like, but th- yeah. this isn't this isn't the one I'm. I'm dying on the hill for him. I'm not. Okay. Th- this okay. isn't that one. Uh, I'm I'm going to mention one more thing that's going to kind of solidify this for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, hopefully for you, and we can we can wrap this up. But the stunt work in this one mm-hmm. is fantastic. I'll just take your word on that because I just most of the time I don't know the difference. Like, probably, th- like they literally had to hang two dudes out the back of a plane. Now, how do you think that played out? Can you, do you know or can you tell me? Do you, yeah, they they they, they strapped two are, dudes to. They're really there, huh? Cargo nets on the back of a plane. It obviously wasn't the two actors, but sure. That like that that stunt work was actually done. It's that there, there was no green screen at all in that whole sequence, mm-hmm. which is 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 definitely a check for the movie. Like later, you know, oh, I'm sure, sure I'm, I'm sure later versions of of or later James Bond movies would have that same scene, but with a shit ton of CGI, making it way safer and <laughs> with less stunt work. Yeah, man, I'm telling. Maybe not in the respect to two dudes hanging out of a plane but wait to casino royale just wait to that wait right. wait, to, wait to that move i think you're going to be hearing you even talk about the stunt work i think you're going to be really impressed with what they do in 
the opening scene of that movie. Because okay. it's it's definitely one of the best it's one of the best opening scenes to the Bond movies. I'll give Daniel Craig that much. Okay. Then then okay then then what I'm hearing is that we're locking the living daylights in as the best Bond movie right now. You you were hearing me concede that to to you yes. I I don't like the way you said that. Would you like me? Do you do you want to go back and edit it later? Do you want no, to, no, no, no. I don't give want you a to, series of sound bites. <laughs> I don't want you to concede. I want you to agree. I mean, I I agree with you that I don't. Yeah, I mean, I agree. It's better. I I like Roger Moore a good bit more. So that kind of trumps a lot to me. Mm-hmm. And it, it, if anything, it puts them neck to neck and neck to each other. Like, because I at least acknowledge that the movie. You know what? No, nah, I don't. I don't know. Because I, I just like – I really in, kind of enjoyed what the Roger Moore Bond kind of is. You know, no – I like Timothy Dalton as an actor as playing the character, but mm-hmm. I like that kind of posh Roger Moore, stiff upper lip kind of Brit, kind of gent, very gentlemanly gentleman spy character. That's the thing I've really enjoyed about him through most of the years when I watched it. And – and I think he just about personifies that. And it, it, and 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 that's not to say that the other what seven fucking movies he was in, like they may rank all above the Living Daylights. No, no, some of them are some of them are dookie. <laughs> but that's but that's fine. That's why I'm conceding because I don't care because I do acknowledge that the Living Daylights is probably a better movie as compared to look. Look, 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 look. I told you earlier I'm not going to die on this hill, and I'm certainly – and I'm additionally going to add I'm still not going to die on the hill for the Roger Moore movie that could be associated to exploitation. Okay. All right. That's actually a fantastic way to that's, – that's, 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 I love that. All right. That's not, that's not the one. <laughs> it's locked in. So The Living Daylights <laughs> is the best James Bond movie. Uh, <laughs> Live and Let Die is number two. On Her Majesty's Secret Service is number three, and Doctor No is number four. We like continue her, to build this list uh, as we watch these movies. On Her Majesty's Secret Service, I'm, I'm starting to question why you're not at the bo- fucking bottom. You you are lucky, sir. Hey, it's it just it's better than Doctor No. I don't I, I don't George Lazenby's dumb. <laughs> he's not actually dumb. He's he's dude he. That's a that's a suave feller. I just don't, you know, just as I've kind of thought about it, a lot of that movie got a pass because of the rest of the because of the movie, not the actor, yeah, not the yeah. James Bond. So I, I'm sorry, I'm focusing on the wrong thing. Anyway, Sergio Lugo, it has been a pleasure to host this and talk about this movie once again with you. I greatly look forward to our next romp which is probably one of if not my favorite personal of the bond movies even if i can like different aspects of these other ones or even really like the specific movies this one holds near and dear to my heart for many different reasons golden eye. And, uh, golden eye yes that one okay and uh, yeah that's that that's 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 next time yeah any any final closing thoughts at all? Any forgot I forgot? Uh, I just want to to note that this 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 movie had nipples. 
Well, okay. That I were I was not prepared for them. Where? What are you talking about? <laughs> like, I'm, just just go back and watch it. There's 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 at least a nipple. Like n- bare nipple? Or, yes. Yes. Uh, yeah, right. like like a god-given nipple. You know what a fucking nipple is? It's got a nipple. I, I didn't know if you meant like it's just coming through the shirt kind of nipple kind of. You know, I didn't know. Uh, we'll look in. I'll. You know what? I'm not gonna do that. I just believe you. Because I don't want to yeah. watch that movie again for two hours. These yeah, movies are yeah, so long. Yeah, yeah, but it's it just should, it it should just be be said like this. this let's see, it's this movie was rated uh, PG. Bro, what what was what was Back to the Future rated to hit back on that? Wasn't it rated like PG too? Yeah, yeah. Well, that was all of that. This this might be it's before that. they even invented PG thirteen. But no, this movie was PG and there was a nipple. Yeah, well, I mean that's just kind of '80s movies, man. All right, I'm not complaining. I, just I'm just pointing it out. Like that's yeah, kind no, of a, that's a, cool, a weird yeah. anomaly. It it is. It's it, it's just the '80s, I guess. Right? There's just they either didn't have that rating or the uh, ratings were looser. Yeah. It's. I mean, hell, what was what was Ninja Turtles rated? The first Ninja Turtles movie. PG. PG. You think it should have been 13? No, 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 no. Uh, I, I'd question that. I, I could. I wonder if there's actually you could have an argument that it should be PG-13. There's just enough scary elements and just enough violence, kind of thing. Just enough language. Do, I wonder. Okay, quick trivia. Do you know what movie prompted uh, Hollywood to create the PG-13 rating? Can you give me the the decade or the or the year? It was the year was 1984. Hmm. Was it The Exorcist? No, no. Okay. I don't know then. Uh, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. What? What? What did it in that? Do you it, remember? Well, well, if you remember Temple of Doom, like he, I don't. There was a scene where a dude reaches into a guy's chest and pulls his heart out. Oh shit! Okay, yeah. And what, yeah, what that they movie, rate it that, PG. That movie's PG. Oh shit, dude, no. Yeah, yeah, and like, <laughs> like it wasn't just that movie, but that's kind of the big flagship one that people hold up as shit. We need something between PG and R because it wasn't quite bad enough for an R, but PG is just not does does not cut it. So it was. Uh, what well, do you think it was the straw that broke it? Probably. That, you say it was probably a more prominent movie too, and all, but like yeah. that was one the first one. No, it was it was just instrumental in it. So, uh, interesting. Well, Sergio, thanks so much for. I'm maybe saying this over again, so I apologize. We got off track. Thanks so much mm-hmm. for coming on and doing what you do for this here show and any other show on Reality Breached, and can't wait to host the next one. And talk about this stuff again, because we got Pierce Brosnan coming next. Woohoo! Yeah, I hear and he's thanks. handsome. Yeah, he he is he is quite handsome, so handsome. <laughs> thanks so much, everybody, for listening and tuning in, and we will see you guys next time. And have a good, safe time during these. These what? Hazardous days?
these, days? These un, unprecedented times? Un, unprecedented, unprecedented times? Precedented? Unprecedented. Precedented. There we go. I'm going to stick with the hazardous days, asshole. <laughs> okay. <laughs> unprecedented time. I mean, I don't know. Sound bite me. Unprecedented times. There you go. Sound bite me in there if you need to. All Thanks, right. guys. Bye. Debriefing and cocktail. You are listening to Keep the Hip, Q-Not, and Break Up Rock. Number, 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 number